with all the things that happens to Paul in the book of Acts, how does the book end? Or does it? Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome to this episode of Inverse, everyone. We're so happy that for those of you who have been tracking with us for the last 13 episodes, a super congrats to you. We have finally concluded the book of, of Acts here. This is our last episode. And oh, I want to thank sad. each one of you. It is kind of sad, but you're going to come back next season and you're going you're gonna to still be here. Uh, we're stuck yes, with you. Maybe. Uh, but we're gonna, the book of Acts is going to go away. So um, let's pray before we insult each other even further. Um, Callie, can you pray for yes, us? Yes, let's pray. <laughs> Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the uh, the examples of the life of Paul and many others throughout the book of Acts. As we read, may we not just marvel at the things you've done in the past, but may we apply these principles and believe that you are able to do even greater things today. Amen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's go to Acts chapter 27, verse 24 in Israel. Can you read that one verse for us? Maybe we start with verse 23. <laughs> Is that all right? For context? No? All right. No? All right. Okay. Did you not hear me the first time? I said <laughs> verse 23. Uh, verse 24. Conflict in the church. Saying, <laughs> verse 24, please. Saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. All right. And Sebastian, for those of us who uh, may be, this may be, our, be our first episode, kind of track with us where we've been. Really, really, really brief. And it kind of set us up for 27 and 28. So essentially, Paul has been testifying from different Roman leaders, mm -hmm. right, before this. And you have Festus and Agrippa and all these different individuals. And that episode, those series of episodes ended with Agrippa basically saying, man, if he had not appealed to Caesar, I could have released him. Mm -hmm. So now we're picking up with that actual transportation to go to actually appear before Caesar because of this decision that Paul made chapters ago to appeal to his Roman citizenship. Mm -hmm. So now that one decision we talked about in that particular episode is coming back to bite Paul. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, man, that one appeal has now gotten to this point where he could have been released and perhaps the end of the book of Acts would have been very different. Yeah, this, this uh, narrative of Paul's voyage to Rome, chapter 27, 28, could be kind of a, a story in itself. Mm -hmm. It's so rich. I mean, we keep on saying every chapter is very rich, and 28 and a half minutes is not enough to talk about the entire yes. chapter. But there is, it's just a fascinating, probably one of my favorite narratives, just crazy stuff happening. Let's take, let's take a couple of vignettes. Let's go to chapter 27, verse 9 through 12. And uh, Brax, can you read that for us? Absolutely. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the thing spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. And Callie, verse 13 to 20. 
When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous head wind arose called Euryclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on the Syrtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. All right. See, this is, this is one of the first um, accounts within this voyage where mm-hmm. God is intervening in a certain way. Uh, what's going on here, Israel? What, what are some things we can glean from this passage? In the beginning part, you know, Paul's ignored because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's more expedient for business to be done, you know, somewhere else. It's kind of he's in a little fashion. bit of a prophetic mode, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he's predicting what will happen in the future, yeah. yeah. And then it's not, it's not yeah, and it, right. And and well, well, I think it says he was more persuaded. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not that Paul has no case, or or he thinks he's he's not. He has no no real substantial reason to stay. It's just he's listening to the cases of everyone that's you know appealing to him, mm-hmm. and these the owner of the ship and everyone, the helmsman and so forth. He's more compelled to listen to them for whatever reasons they're giving him than mm-hmm. for the reason that Paul's giving him. Mm-hmm. So I think the the, uh, the the captain of the ship understands the danger present, but he's he's pushed, he's motivated by the fact that the owner of the ship wants him to do something, you know, even though it's going to risk there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to this idea of it's hard for the captain to step out of his profession as a captain mm-hmm. and just adhere to a man who has probably not much sailing experience, you know, but he's guided by God, which I think the captain has a bit of sense with based on earlier situations in the story. Mm -hmm. So it almost brings us to this place of saying sometimes it's hard for us to defer to someone where we're like, I have more qualifications than you, Mm -hmm. the helmsman, you know, he's my second in command, all these different. So it's like, I don't know if I should trust this one guy who's like a lone prisoner on our ship, who's not a sailor, but he's like, look, the Lord has already testified to me this is going to happen. And I think sometimes we run into the same uh, conundrum of going with traditional uh, professional opinions and versus like this is just what God is leading us to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense professionally, but that's where the Lord wants us to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go to verse 21, and uh, I'll read there. Chapter 27, 21. But long, after long abstinence from food, Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. There stood by me this night an angel of of, of the God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. For I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, mm. we must run aground on a certain island. Callie, what's going on in that passage? Well, I think Paul's kind of coming back to them. First, he's very kindly 
I done told you this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but take heart that God is still going to take us to where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And we are going to, you know, we are going to lose these things, but we're not going to lose any life. And I like the way he phrases it, how God spoke to him. In verse 24, it says, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Which sounds like God is giving it into a response to Paul's prayers. Because mm-hmm. Paul's already been assured, like, you're going to go in front of Caesar. So even if, like, everyone dies, you're still going to go to Caesar. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like Paul wasn't content with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I also, God, want you to preserve the lives of all these people here, mm-hmm. even though they didn't listen to me. And even though I'm really their captives, so they're not like my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. But God still grants that to them. You know what I like in this, in, in verse 22, or verse 20, what is it? Verse, somewhere in there, it okay. says that, man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete. Yeah, 21. Heard, 21. And it's kind of like, he's saying, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I told you so is not like, I told you so, and he's a frustrated and angry. Yeah. It's more like, look, I told you, and we could have heeded God's word, but we didn't. Yes. And the, the onus is not on his credibility or a selfish kind of justification, yeah. but it's on God's word not being mm-hmm. heeded. Yep. And we were given a prophecy, and we didn't heed it. Kind of yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Israel. I love this gives us a picture of portrayal of God. Mm. And so many times in our experience, in our lives, God says in some way, shape, or form, you should do this, and we don't do it. And as a result of that, we incur a lot of damage and loss. Mm. And when we're in that kind of a situation, we feel, you know, well, I know that I should have listened to God, but now I'm in this situation, and God will now punish me Mm -hmm. because of this. And so he's going to force me to get myself out of this. Mm -hmm. And I love how this portrays the picture of God as like, look, you should have obeyed God. You didn't. You've gotten yourself into a mess. But the beauty of the character of God is that he's willing to pull you out of the mess mm-hmm. that you got yourself into. You know, It's like a human temptation to think that, though. Yeah. Yes. yeah? Like, I did bad, so I'm getting punished for this, and i got to compensate for my yeah. disobedience in a way. Sebastian. And it just reminded me, Israel, what you said is, uh, you know, there's a C.S. Lewis quote where he talks about the divine humility. And it's like, we only want to surrender our lives to God when the ship is going down. Mm-hmm. So it's like, now that our ship is sinking, we would throw up the white flag. Please save us. And it's like, well... Why is it that you want to give your life to God and surrender your life to God when it's not worth keeping, right? When the ship was healthy, when everything was going great, you didn't want to surrender. But now that you're like, dude, we're we're at our wits end, like this is it, like my life is going down. Now you want to surrender. And he says, and look at the humility of God that he's like, yeah, I'll take your beat up, broken situation in life and I will still take it even at this condition. Hmm. So it's like to me. That, that peace of God is that that's how desperate he is to save. That's mm-hmm. how desperate he wants us. And all those men around the ship who didn't listen to his servant, Paul. Yeah. God's like, yeah, I'm so humble and I so desire to have you that oh, even God. when you're like falling apart and coming away at the seams, I'll You've take you. You've got nothing to yeah. offer. And, yeah. and I love, too, in, in, in addition to that, I love Paul's attitude toward God. Mm-hmm. In verse 25, it says, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God. I love that yes. little phrase that he puts there. It's like, look, God appeared before me. He said this was going to happen. He said he was going to save us. No one's going to be lost. And he's like, and you know what? I believe, I believe that. And yeah. I believe God. And so I felt like this was also, it, it portrays the beauty of the relationship that exists between God and Paul. And that's a profound phrase I was going to harp on, too, is that remember when God revealed it to Paul and he told them, the, the captain believed the other people, right? He yeah. went with that. And here Paul comes back again and says, look, even though the situation still seems again, right? we're back where we were from day one. You looked at the situation, you're like, everything to my eyes and my senses say this. Mm-hmm. But 
you didn't believe me. You didn't believe God. Now we're here again, and Paul is like, look, even though the situation has gotten from bad to worse, I still believe God. Yeah. And I think that is profound to say we need to come back to that point in our own personal experiences that, look, even when it gets bad to worse, you still got to believe God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's jump to verse 30 here, and let's see how the narrative uh, pans out. Verse 30, Cali, can you read from 32 to whenever? And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. We'll stop there. And after the break, we'll come and talk about this first. We'll see you on the other side. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We were in the midst of chapter 27, verse 33 to 30-something, and uh, <laughs> Callie was reading that, and we're seeing here there's a shift going on in, in Paul, yeah? I really love how Paul is the main character here, whereas the first pastors we read, he said something, and he wasn't, he, his words, his counsel wasn't heeded, mm-hmm. but now... Uh, after, yeah, no, um, they're, they're taking, they're taking seriously everything you're saying. Um, Sebastian, what's going on in this passage? What are some principles? Well, I think the first thing you're, you're looking at is the fact that, you know, if it were not for pain, many of us would not surrender to God's will and respond to his word. Hmm. It's like when everything was good and sunshiny and we're like, maybe we should winter here. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, we are hesitant to go all the way with God. We're a little bit less dependent on God. That's right. But now in the storm and Euroclidon has come and all this kind of stuff. And brothers are like, look, man, Apostle Paul was like, listen, man, you guys are going to die. Stay on the ship. People are like, look, we got to exit this ship. He's like, look, stay on the ship. If you leave the ship, you're going to die. Yeah. So to me, you, you get the first principle of pain drives us back to the word of God to say, you know what? I need to come back and surrender to this. And the other situation is the safest place in this story was with a slave, mm. was with a prisoner. It's mm. like, you want to be where the Apostle Paul is. Yeah. And I want to be that kind of Christian that where I am is not just preserving to my life, but to everybody around me mm-hmm. because of my own faith in God and the fact that I'm right in the center of his will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This reminds me sure. of a story. I lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. It's like snowing all the time. It's probably snowing right now. <laughs> and. <laughs> And we used to we used to fly in and out on these really small airplanes, and I was sitting on on near the window seat. And as the airplane's getting ready to land, the side that I'm on, the wing, it looks like as the pilot's going to land, it looks like it's going to hit the ground, and the ground's all white. And I'm thinking like, this is it, we're going to die. <laughs> and you know, we're getting lower and lower, and it's turbulent. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm entrusting my life in the hands of this like 24-year-old pilot that just got his flying license. And, and we, <laughs> we landed, ended up finding out that that's the way you're supposed to land. Otherwise, the airplane's going to fly because the wind mm. is going to mm. flip it over and stuff. And 
the, the lesson that I learned from that, from the turbulent landing is, at that moment in time, you know, the idea that came to me was not to jump out of the airplane, mm-hmm. but to tighten my seatbelt. And a lot of mm-hmm. times, you know, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're in a Christian experience, we're part of a church, and we look outside and it's like, man, it's, it's a tempest outside. Things are crazy. There's, we're in a storm. The waves are big. It looks like it's going to overtake us. We're not mm-hmm. going to survive this. Young people, we have the, the, the idea that comes to our mind is we need to abandon the ship. Yep. And that's not the time to abandon the ship. Times of tempest, times of difficulty, times of challenge. Yeah. That's a time to ground ourselves more firmly into the ship and to make sure that we stay instead of abandoning. I love that. I mean, there's going to be turbulence, but trust the pilot and and tighten your Mm -hmm. seatbelt. And even looking at, you know, I had a similar story where the stewardess, right, the the turbulence was so bad, like she was running up and down the plane screaming like, we're going to (laughs) die. We're going to (laughs) die. And so the guy next to me is like, dude, man, if the stewardess is freaking out, like this is a bad situation. So you can even add to that, right, even if you think, man, I'm seeing issues in the church and the storm. What if the people who are supposed to be guiding me and leading me, <laughs> right, are like, dude, we're going to die. This thing yeah. is going down. Even the stewardess, right, you still got to say, look, man, Jesus is on the ship. Yeah. And because Jesus wow. is on the ship, we will survive this storm. So even if the stewardess is like, yo, we're going to die. <laughs> it's like, it's what over. What was that? that you- no, hey, no, don't, 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 don't <laughs> you're, bro, you're trying email. to get me sued, bro. <laughs> like Oprah, man. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, no, this, um, speaking of airline, I mean, this is, I don't know how this fits in, but you guys all know the one about Muhammad Ali, he's on the airplane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surah comes in. You guys know it? Okay, we'll move on to it. No, bro, you the young people watching, they may Yeah, well, Muhammad Ali's there, and the Surah's like, hey, put on your seatbelt. Your turbulence coming in. He's like, Superman doesn't need a, a, a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. And the Stewardess shoots, a shot, she shoots back, and she's like, Superman doesn't need a plane. You know? And <laughs> That's right. Buckle up. I love that. that. Yeah. I like no, it. So, put your seatbelt on. So, how that fits into here, I have no idea, but it's just good story. a story about a story. An it's a good story. <laughs> it's about pride and not thinking, look, I don't need a seatbelt. Actually, don't. I just want to be a part of everyone. All right. All right, let's move on forward. Let's move on forward. And, and we see really here that I, I love this passage because Paul is, he goes from a slave, and not from a slave, he still is a slave, mm-hmm. but there's some, some, some soft power that he has. Um, one person that I highly respect is Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a man who didn't really have a lot of political power. A lot, he didn't have, he wasn't known for his brilliance. In, in many ways, he was kind of awkward, has a soft voice. His wife knits all of his clothes for him. He's got the weird puppets, you know, the TV show and all that Mr. stuff. Rogers. It's, it's, you have to say Mr. Rogers. Oh, Mr. Rogers. People don't know who Fred yeah. Rogers is. Mr. Rogers. I know you knew him as Freddie, but Fred, Fred Rogers. You guys are on like a But he a was a, a minister <laughs> who wanted to revolutionize children's TV, TV programming hmm. by giving a very patient and simple and calm type of programming. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And even to this day, I mean, they, they, they showed Mr. Rogers' programming to... Uh, you know, ADD, you know, hyperactive kids, and they all stopped, and they were just riveted with Mr. Rogers for one full hour. Hmm. And there's something about him that he went before Congress, he went before, I don't know, what, uh, Grammy Awards, I mean, you can, you can mm-hmm. YouTube and find it, and people are just gravitating. He had a soft power, which is many times more stronger than even hard power. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul here, he exercised it, and I really see that as the power of godliness, Mm-hmm. That just naturally, there's something about 
this person. Yeah. And you just naturally gravitate and you trust and there's a yeah. peace that comes along. And and that's the fulfillment of the of the promise, right? You will receive power mm. when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witness. Mm. This is actually now not only corporately but individually Paul is f the fulfillment of that promise by Jesus. Mm -hmm. You're going to receive power not in not in 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 an explosive way like you know the early church experienced in the very beginning and not in a corporate way but now in a soft mm -hmm. personal way that still impacts and transforms mm -hmm. lives. full circle around from yeah. chapter 1 to 28 and i mean i think that's so profound because it it almost takes you back to a sense of what's more like God, right? Mm -hmm. Like the yelling and the screaming and the aggression yeah. or the fact that God sits above the distractions of the earth, right? And he's like in a calm eternity. Like God is not yelling. God is not mm -hmm. raising his voice. Like when he spoke to Elijah, the still small voice. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense of you can't be more like God than having that sense of calmness in the midst of a storm yeah. and just saying, I'm going to pray and thank him and break bread and eat. Mm -hmm. And the Bible's like everybody was encouraged mm -hmm. yeah. simply by this simple act. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, what we may call soft power is really true power yeah. to yeah. have that That's sense right. of calmness That's in right. there. That's you know, right. that everything else bends to your aura, yeah. in a sense. It also testifies It also testifies of the power of what it means to be a witness. Here, Paul is not a witness through preaching or through... He's a, he's a witness through something that seems mon mundane and common. Which There is, is a breaking. proactive witness, but there is also an implicit witness that mm -hmm. when you're not even trying to witness, you are still a powerful witness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Let's go to chapter 28, and let's see how this, this pans out. He actually ends up, and through a, it's a crazy narrative, but he mm -hmm. ends up in Rome at the end of the day. Yes. Mm -hmm. And while even at Rome, his status is still pending. Yeah. He's waiting He's there. So and it's just this, man. you know, government inefficiency or bureaucracy or I don't know what you call it. I don't know how many of you had issues Preach, with, with government departments, but you're mm. pending and pending for mm. weeks and weeks and months and months. And yes. I'm not, I, 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 anyway, verse, 20, <laughs> uh, verse 17. Uh, Sebastian, can you read verse 17 to 20 for us? Yes, it says, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And let's fast forward to 23. Callie, can you read 23 onwards? So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him in his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Okay, I'll pick up in verse 28. Therefore let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when they, and he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute amongst themselves. 
Verse 30, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. This is a long passage, and, mm-hmm. and thanks for reading it together. I think there's, there's a very uh, appropriate conclusion in some ways, and in other ways, it's kind of an anticlimactic situation. Mm-hmm. So how, let me ask you this question, why does the book of Acts end this way? Israel. It's, I think it's giving us two pictures. Mm-hmm. The decision that we make is going to ultimately lead us into one of two paths. The, the sad reality of, of the Jewish leaders is that essentially they continue to dispute among themselves and la-di-da-di-da, which is essentially the same old experience that they had in previous chapters, they continue to have. Mm-hmm. And what a horrible and sad testimony that it's like, hey, you remain the same. Mm. You were just like, mm. what you've been, you've always been, you will always be, you're just stuck in who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's picture number one. And then you have this picture of Paul. Paul had experiences that brought him there because of his own faults. He was high, low, different areas of his Christian walk. And yet, all of that summed up together, uh, no matter what happened, it ultimately led to an experience where he was unhindered, right? Mm-hmm. Unmoved, uh, nothing for, no one forbidding him. Mm-hmm. And so you have these two experiences. Ultimately, it's not, it had nothing to do with the mistakes that they made. It had everything to do with the mentality that mm-hmm. they had. The attitude, the perspective yeah. that they held, yeah. Um, why does why does the Isaiah's verse there, verse twenty six and twenty seven? Why does that why, one why is that one verse thrown in there at the conclusion? Of well, I think it, it's it's Russia. it's kind of this contrast, right, with the end of the book. So you have here's the Jewish nation, kind of encapsulating that prophecy when God first called Isaiah, and God letting him know in advance, right, that Isaiah had a burden for his people. Paul has a burden for his people, and it's like they're going to hear and not understand, mm-hmm. no matter what you do. And therefore, he gives the conclusion, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So it's just reminding you, this is where the Jewish people are. They're going to hear and never understand, Mm -hmm. which is ironic because in the book says that Paul, right, in in another translation, he continues unhindered. Mm -hmm. So there's like nothing forbidden. There's nothing preventing him. But you're like, but he's in prison in Rome. And he's stuck in a rented house and he's doing all these different kinds of things. So you're kind of like, wait a minute. How are you going to say this brother is in prison, locked up, in jail, you know, can't really escape, has to wait for Caesar, all this bureaucracy. The epitome of being hindered. Exactly. That's exactly where he is. And yet the Bible's like, he continues unhindered. (laughs) And so to me, it goes to show us that difficulties and situations that seem to bind us are not an indication, right, of truly what true progress is in forwarding the gospel. Mm. I may be in a situation where I'm like, I'm limited by language or personality or results, but the truth is, as long as you're continuing in God's purpose for your life, yeah. you will continue unhindered. Well, when it comes to, like in verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things that concern the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, he's totally unhindered. Like, this mm-hmm. is like the golden situation. And in many ways, the, the one character that's found throughout the entire book of Acts, the word of God, is now unhinderedly, in, in unhinderingly taught. <laughs> That's even a word. Not a by word. Paul Excellent to effort. anyone who wants to come to this house. I mean, he's like a university professor, and he gets to have free Bible studies to all of his students. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we have a victory at the at the climax Amen. of the Book of Acts. Mm-hmm. How many of you want to be part of this gospel narrative? 
This chapter 28 is not the end. It continues on. And we are in Acts chapter 3045. <laughs> we need more people to be part of the gospel project, the gospel kingdom. We want to be part of that project. We invite you to be part of that project. Thanks so much, Thanks so much for watching Inverse. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.